Welcome back. It's uh, it's been a little while, um, but this is now episode twenty nine, I believe, of the Low Side Podcast. And uh, this episode's probably been a little while in the making, and I'm I'm super excited uh, here on the eve of opening day of Major League Baseball um, to introduce this episode's guest, Mr. Uh, Zach Davies. I appreciate you coming on, Zach. Hey, thanks, Michael. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, and um, you know, I kind of alluded to it there, but um, for you, just tonight, you know, do you kind of feel like a kid on Christmas here? Yeah, I mean, every every opening day that you get in the major league, it's something special. Um, you guys don't get that too often, and uh, this will be my third now. So, it, you know, every time is special. Every time you kind of get nervous and excited, um, and and ready to wake up for the next morning. Well, and I, I know. The Brewers do spring training down in Arizona, correct? Yep, yep, Maryville, just outside of uh, downtown Phoenix. And Arizona is also um, home for you, is that right? Yeah, I live uh, out in Gilbert, Arizona, a little bit east of uh, downtown, Um, so it makes a little bit of a drive every morning. Yeah, um, what's the weather difference and kind of the weather change going from Phoenix Metro to Milwaukee Metro? You know, last last week in Phoenix, we finally got uh, some higher temperatures. But, um, but you know, out here in Milwaukee right now is pretty nice. It was 58 degrees when I rolled in, so it, was, it wasn't too big of a change yet. I know it's supposed to get a little bit colder this weekend, but we were probably around 85, 80, 85 yesterday. So it's it's a little bit toasty. Yeah, I um, you know the base the start of baseball season it. You kind of have March Madness here. You have opening day of baseball. The Masters is on the horizon, and you're an Arizona guy, um, so you didn't have to deal with this time of year being, you know, so cyclical weather-wise. But this this time of year is so hit or miss. You you guys might have opening day with you know summer temperatures, or you might have opening day. Uh, not that it matters in, indoors over there in Milwaukee, but uh, some of these guys will probably be fighting snow for the next couple weeks. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the great part here in, in Milwaukee that we got the roof. So, you know, every game that's scheduled here in Milwaukee, unless there's something short of a power outage or something something like that, you know, you're playing. Um, so, you know, it's nice nice with the roof. But, you know, I remember last year about second week of the season, we got, I don't know, eight inches of snow or so. It was, it was uh, a little bit of change of pace last year. But, um, you know, for us, we get our games in, thankfully, and uh, don't have to worry about using an off day right away. Yep, and um, I'm excited to talk a little bit with you about um, baseball and whatnot, but kind of where I always like to go, and, and for the listener's sake, um, you know, obviously I know a little bit of your story and um, haven't maybe got to keep up with you here a little bit the last year or two, but um, for people listening who, who don't know who you are, can you kind of give the, the elevator pitch or the origin story on um, who Zach Davies is? Yeah, you know, um, I'm originally from Washington State. I was uh, born in Puyallup, Washington, um, and lived just south of Seattle for six or seven years of my life. And then uh, parents moved out to Arizona. It was a good job opportunity, and, you know, it, it was a blessing in disguise for me. Um, I was able to play baseball year-round and, and from two years old, I was um, it was my first love. So 
um, you know, coming to a warm weather state was uh, one of the best things for me. Uh, you know, I was a Mariner fan growing up, so I would imitate all their hitters and all their pitchers and even all the way down to their manager coming out to take pitchers out. And stuff. So, um, you know, baseball runs through my blood. Um, and uh, once I got to Arizona, um, stayed in Gilbert for pretty much all my life. I stayed in that side of town. Um, went to high school at Mesquite High School uh, out in Gilbert. And, uh, you know, it was just baseball was my life. Golf was uh, definitely a hobby of mine, and I loved it um, for fun. Uh, I never got into the competitive scene, and, um, you know, I think that's uh, that's what kind of still gives it its sheen for me, um, to be able to not have to stress and worry and, and keep it fun. Um, so golf and baseball kind of go hand in hand for me. Um, you know, I've played golf as long as I've played baseball, so uh, it's a, definitely another passion of mine, but you know, I can keep it fun too. Um, and I was drafted by the Orioles right out of high school um, and given my first opportunity in pro ball. Um, so it was, uh, it was fun to go straight from high school to pro ball. Uh, very, uh, very different lifestyle though. So it was something that I had to learn quick. Yeah, I was going to say, kind of, what's it like going from, you know, I mean, I remember being an 18-year-old high school kid, you know, riding a school bus to go play baseball games, and then, you know, probably, what, less than six months later, you're you're driving, you know, halfway across the country on road trips with adults and guys who've been doing that for a long time. What was that kind of culture shock or um, kind of adaptation like? I was, I'm a pretty quiet person as is, so when I, I got drafted and I didn't really know too many guys uh, going into pro ball, even, even with other organizations, so uh, you know, I, I pretty much kept to myself, but you kind of have to observe and learn a little bit how to, how to prepare yourself, how to come up with a routine, how to live the adult lifestyle um, when you're gone for seven months out of the year and you know, everything's on you now. Um, so it was a wake up call, um, that, you know, you had to learn, you have to learn life quick. Um, and not only that, you also have a job to do with, with baseball. Um, and, and you know how cutthroat that the sport is that, uh, you know, every baseball player is just another number for, for teams. Um, you know, they develop relationships, but at the end of the day, if you're not performing and you're not helping them win, you know, you're, you're moved on from, so, uh, you kind of you kind of have that in the back of your mind too. So, you know everything everything kind of changes all at once. Yeah, and, and it you know you're absolutely right. It definitely becomes a job at some point. Um, and, and kind of before all that, when when you're just playing for fun and you're a kid and you're you're starting to realize, hey, maybe I have some some talent here. Um, I, I guess one. Who do you remember kind of getting you into baseball early on? Was it something you just gravitated towards, or did you have you know a brother or dad that you kind of chased and followed around, or what kind of pushed you into baseball? I mean, I think it was just my passion from the beginning. Um, I know my dad played baseball in high school and junior college, but um, you know, I, I think they just let me choose, and I just naturally gravitated towards baseball. Um, and, with, and with my dad having a baseball background and it being one of his favorite sports, I think it was easy for us to uh, kind of develop me into a baseball player. Um, so, you know, it was just something that clicked with me, and I loved it from the beginning. And, uh, you know, it's it's that passion, that uh, desire to play in the major leagues has brought me here. So, 
you know, I always tell people this too. I, I never played golf really competitively either. Um, I was always a baseball player first and, and that's kind of what I played um, in the summer and through high school and, and for competition. Um, but, you know, from your perspective, you know, being a guy that's now in the major leagues, at what age um, did you kind of look around and realize like, okay, maybe I have some stuff that can take me, you know, obviously not just to college, but maybe further beyond. And if I really work at this thing, there's some potential here. For me, it was, it was really young. Um, you know, I, I was playing club ball at eight and a half, nine years old and playing with a year and a half older than, than me. Um, I had a buddy of mine that I grew up with playing club ball same way. We were both really young for our age and, you know, I think the passion, the the drive, the work ethic, I, I think propelled us to become athletes and, and baseball players that could compete. Um, so I think, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do professionally. And, um, you know, as long as I stayed healthy, the work ethic, the drive, all that was, was there. Um, and I think the, the smarts of the game, the, the mind – uh, portion of the game has always been a strength of mine, and I knew that that was something that was going to carry me um, to the next level and the next level. So uh, I know a lot of people think high school, college, sometimes sometimes guys know a little bit earlier um, that it was going to be something that they're going to work their life at it. Gotcha. And and what do you remember uh, about the, the day you got that first call to say, you know, hey, we're going to call you up and you're going to pitch in a major league ball game? No, I mean, it's it's your dreams coming true. Uh, you, you may know that it's coming. You may know that you're you're getting that call soon, but it, it's still surreal when you get it. Um, so I, I uh, our manager in AAA called, called me into the clubhouse or called me into his office from the clubhouse. We were there early playing ping pong. Um, and so he told me. And then uh, he was pretty excited for me. I'd just gotten traded over, actually, the month before that. So it was just a quick... Uh, relationship developed with those coaches that were they were awesome too um and and once he told me i was thankful and appreciative and then i gave my wife now she was just a girlfriend at that time we hadn't uh gotten too far into the relationship uh yet but we uh i called her and let her know um trying to see if she could get her work off and see if she could fly out to see me in milwaukee and then give family all the family call and uh you know after, right after that i didn't have much to do so i went back to playing ping pong <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome who'd you guys play so you were in milwaukee who do you remember who you guys played yeah we played the, the pittsburgh pirates okay and that would have been what like 2016 15 was my yeah september of 15 okay so that was like mccutcheon and that was a pre- they, they were pretty had a pretty good run there for a few years yeah, McCutcheon was there. Cervelli was first year or two there. Um, well, so the Ramos Ramirez was traded over there earlier or prior to that uh, series, probably a month before that from the Brewers. Um, so it was uh, there. Were, there were still quite a few guys on that team. Actually, a couple guys that I played minor league ball against um, were on that team. Um, Gregory Polanco was one of them. Um, Alan Hansen was another. So you know there were. There were quite a few guys over there that uh, you know I, I knew from playing against, and I also knew from you know watching them on TV a couple of years prior. 
Gotcha. Um, I know like when you're playing and you're, you're living it and it's just kind of your reality, this, this probably isn't something that comes top of mind, but, um, if, if you stopped and thought about it or, or I, maybe you do stop and think about it, um, what's, what's like your favorite stadium you've played in or have you, have you ever sat somewhere and been like, wow, I, I can't believe, you know, obviously you can believe it cause it was something you set your sights on a long time ago, but is there a place or a stadium you pitched in where you kind of took a second just to digest what was actually happening? I've had probably two stadiums with that similar feeling to kind of sit back and realize that you're here. Um, and then a third stadium that I, I enjoy going to that it's um, just a good stadium. So the first one would be Seattle, Safeco Field. Um, you know, growing up watching the Mariners and that, then playing against what was your favorite team as a kid? Um, you know that was that was a really cool feeling. Um, and then you know living in Arizona for most of my life, going to most of my baseball games that I, that I went to as a kid was in the Bob at the time, no longer Banco and Ballpark. But um, so that was that was another one that uh, thankfully actually we get to play every year, um, once a year. So. And then the third one is just one of those stadiums that I think is, is cool, that, that has a good atmosphere, has a, has a good look to it, would actually be the Pirates, PNC. Hmm. Yeah, they have, uh, that's, the outfield, like, backs up to the, ri- back up on the river out there, is that, am I thinking of the right stadium? Yep, yep, it backs, backs up to the river, and then it, the stadium uh, looks at the, the Pittsburgh kind of downtown skyline, yeah. so it's, it does have a pretty cool pretty cool vibe to it yeah it's funny you say the mariners um obviously you grew up there so it makes sense that that's your your hometown team um but you know i think you and i are about the same age and growing up as a a baseball guy and a a kid who you know spent all his summer nights staying up watching atlanta braves games on tbs Mm -hmm. um those early like 2000s mariners teams were like almost the people's baseball team they like couldn't quite get over the hump but they had so many good players and so many likable players um and and they just never could quite get it done yeah the the uh, the feel of the team was a lot of good guys maybe not uh, the biggest all-stars of the of the league but you know they they found a way to win games they found a way to be there um, and, and it was it was fun to watch I remember 2001, I was devastated when, when they ended up losing in the playoffs. Uh, I believe it was to the Indians that year after winning 116 games. Yeah. So, um, you know, those those memories are still still a part of me. They, I still look back on them. And, um, you know, I miss, miss those times where you can just be innocent and watch games and, and enjoy it. Um, nowadays, it's a little bit more serious. It's a, little, it's a job now. And, uh, you know, winning games is always fun, and, and that part of the game won't change. But um, there is a little added stress to it nowadays. Yep, as with any job, um, it's funny. I I've been to Seattle one time. Um, I've been to Safeco Field one time and watched one Seattle Mariners game, and it was actually uh, I, they either retired Lou Pinella's number or they inducted him into the Hall of Fame for Seattle yeah. or something. And I was there. And all of those guys were there too, like Edgar Martinez, uh, like Mike Cameron. I think Griffey might have gone back. So I was, and I had no yeah. idea. We literally just went because we were there for work, 
and sure enough, it, yeah, it was it was incredible. And as you said, that's that's an awesome baseball stadium, even if you're just a, a sports fan to spend a summer evening in. Yeah, the the atmosphere there, the train in the outfield, the roof is a little bit different than normal. You know, it's a cool feel to that stadium. I always enjoyed it, even even though I was a homer to Seattle. Um, so it was, you know, it's, a, it's always one of those wow moments whenever I step in that stadium. Yeah, and, and you know, you talked a little bit about um, preparation and like mentally, um, you know, just being prepared for the grind of of the majors. Um, and I watched a video that the the Brewers did on you, kind of how you mentioned golf being a decompressor and, and using it, to, as you said, as a hobby. Um, what do you? What else do you do, like besides playing golf and, and having that as as something in your free time? What else do you do to prepare for, you know, twenty plus starts and hear about almost seven months straight of of being around the game at least almost every single day? Uh, you know, my wife and I are big big uh, animal lovers, dog lovers especially. So we have we have two of our own, and you know, I think being around them and my wife and, and kind of just enjoying downtime has been one of the biggest things that kind of, like you said, decompress and, and de-stress and um, take your mind away from, from your job for a little while and, and make you realize that there's life, there's life outside of baseball. Um, so I, I think my dogs are probably the most fun that, that I have outside of golf and um, just enjoying that time because, you know, they don't have any worries except for what are you going to do next? They follow you around the house and uh, they just enjoy, they just enjoy being with you. So that that's kind of the way I see it when I come home and, and uh, try and find a way to step away from the game. Gotcha. Well, um, I, I watched that video, man, and you're, I could see your swing was in there and uh, it's pretty smooth. You, you got a good looking swing. So did you ever have, issues uh between the two especially being younger and swinging the bat maybe a little more than you do now um you know when i was a kid i i had those struggles i couldn't uh separate the the swings but you know i don't uh i don't hit enough where it changes my swing um it's hitting isn't the actual job for me throwing the baseball is so you know you do you do the fundamentals right you bunt you get guys over and you you play the the pitcher's offense game but you don't put too much, too much uh, stress into actually hitting. Um, but golf for me, you know, I've been able to separate the swing a little bit, um, and I've just good hands that you know, small mistakes between the the hitting swing and, and the uh, golf swing, I can change a little bit. It may not always look correct or like the typical golf swing, but you know, it works for me. And when guys realize the way they uh, golf or how how they golf the best and they start playing to that, you know, it definitely changes them. So what, what's your goal when you step on a golf course? Are you, I mean, I, I hate asking people what their handicap is because that, that's such a, I, I don't, it's just such a, I guess, irrelevant metric in my opinion. But I mean, when you go play right. golf, what are you trying to achieve or score wise? Um. You know, I, I always tell people that if I if you give me a few times at, at the same, same course that I and I played smart, you know, you know, everybody that doesn't play on a regular basis, they take driver out on the 340-yard par four that they can't drive, but they try to anyways, and they get in trouble, <laughs> right? So, you know, if I were to play smart, and I played a course a couple times 
75, 76 would probably be my goal. You know, I'm probably right around 80 if it's a brand new course, tough course. Um, you know, it kind of it kind of fluctuates, especially if how much I've played during the year. Because um, during the winter, I'm able to get out a decent amount, but over the summer, when when we travel, it's tough tougher to get out. So you know, I'll play a few times a few times a month in the winter, and you know, you try and score the best you can. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, t- I talk about it a lot, and I think, you know, look as part of kind of the low side, um, you know, theme and motto, it, it's really not about score at the end of the day anyway, especially when you're just playing to relax right. and have a good time. Right. Yeah, um, you know, I, a couple of years ago, one of our buddies lived in Monterey, um, and so we, we traveled with him during an off day. We got to grow up uh, and go Monterey Peninsula Country Club, and I couldn't tell you what I shot that day, but I could tell you every single hole and what it looked like. So I enjoyed that day outside of my score. Yep, I think that's the uh, the mark of a good golf course is one that you remember, you know, dependent or not necessarily dependent on what you you shoot. That's that's when you know you're at a place that's pretty special. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I'm sure every course in that small little area is that way. But um, I was fortunate enough to get to play one of them and. Monterey Peninsula was, was definitely breathtaking and, and something that I'll forever remember. When when you were talking about hitting, this popped into my head. Um, do you have a walk-up song? I do, uh, but my hitting walk-up song is it's Tricky by Run DMC. <laughs> is that a play on words? Um, no, it's just, you know, I, I try and find a little different style of music, not something that kind of everybody enjoys it and you know, a little bit of a throwback where people older would, would appreciate it. Um, and, you know, I think it's, I mean, a little bit of the language is tough, but I think the beat of it, every kid would still catch on to it. So, All right. What about, do you have a, a, a walkout song for pitching? I guess I never even thought about that or paid enough attention to it. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Again, coming from Seattle, coming from the grunge scene, that's always been my favorite type of music. Um, so, you know, anything Nirvana, anything Pearl Jam. Um, I think last year I used Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine pretty much all year. Um, so, now it changes a little bit, but I try and stick it in the uh, grunge rock scene. I can get, I, I can dig that. That's I like that. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit, little bit different than most of the rapper country you hear these days. <laughs> um, you you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I I've actually like always been curious about this, especially for pitchers, and you know I always see guys like John Smoltz who have always kind of talked about golf and and talked about how good of golfers or been talked about how good of golfers they are. Um, I mean, I, this is a job. I get that entirely. Um, and I know you said, you you know, as a starting pitcher, you might pitch every four games or whatnot. I mean, is taking your clubs on a road trip or something, is that is that something that happens or something you can do or, or do do? Yes, we do it. We do it quite often. <laughs> um, we, we fly, we charter, get our flights chartered, so it's on our own. We have our own personnel on the plane, nobody else, and... All of the luggage is ours, so we can we can put our our uh, clubs on the plane, and uh, just depends on if if we're going somewhere nice and and we know a couple courses in the area that we could go to. Um, so it, it 
for starting pitchers, it lines up like you try and line it up the best you can with the day you start because you start every five days. So you, the day after, or the second day after you pitch is kind of the day that you'd want to do it. You don't want to tie yourself out for for your start, um, but you do want to enjoy enjoy some off time and some downtime. So uh, I'm going to try and golf more and more as as the season goes along. I've golfed one or two times in the past couple of years during the season, but. Uh, you know, try and try and switch that up a little bit and have some fun. All right. Uh, where is there a a specific course or like a specific region or area country that you'd like to go play golf in that you haven't played? Um. You know, I've never I've never golfed in the Northeast. Um, you know, I've been in Florida for spring training, so golfed kind of that side of the country, Southwest, being in Arizona, California. Um, I've gotten to experience that. I've been up to Washington National a couple times for the Huskies course. And um, I guess the only region left would be the Northeast because being here in Milwaukee, I've golfed uh, Whistling Straits a couple times, so got that down. Um, we've got a couple, couple guys on the team who have uh, – contacts over at oakmont and so maybe maybe one time uh this summer we get over there yeah i uh i was lucky enough to go play uh a couple years ago the irish course at whistling straits and that place is i mean as you know and you probably got to play you know maybe more than than one of them uh all those properties are, are pretty impressive yeah there's any any one that you choose from up there is actually they're all great courses it, whistling straits is, has the, the legacy in, in the name uh, but you know if, if you can't get there there's plenty of options that are incredible courses up there too in that colder area so it's, um, you know it's really enjoyable whatever place you get to go golf yeah and that that northeast area i haven't golfed up there at all either but like basically from pittsburgh to philly to washington um new york city like Boston there's probably like literally a hundred golf courses just in that little three-hour radius that are some of the you know top 100 or top 500 golf courses in the world and they're all you know spotted around right next to each other exactly so we we have our uh choosing if uh, we ever get a nice road trip out there where we can we can get out on the course so um like I was telling you I'm, I'm trying to get out there more and more so probably golf a few courses this year that uh i wouldn't otherwise if i was just living in arizona gotcha yeah and you mentioned uh florida golf and arizona golf and like i don't think there's two more opposite types of like layouts and courses than than those two places that you just mentioned yeah that, that's it's kind of cool because you go from something that you're used to the the thin air the dry the dryness the the length of the courses uh compared to kind of target golf in in florida with with a thicker air you can't hit the ball as far grass or the, the greens are a little bit thicker a little bit slower um still have some for some reason still have some incredible true break to them even though they feel like you're putting on carpet um but you know it, it's cool to go from something so that you're so used to something so different um, and and you know just see how different places have different styles of courses absolutely all right man well um 
I'm going to kind of transition back a little bit to sports and more just kind of um, BS and then anything, but I have kind of some final questions. I, I ask everybody these in some capacity, and a, a lot of people that come on are, are sports guys or, or played sports in some capacity or are fans in some capacity, so I'm always interested um, to hear the responses, and, and it can be tough being off the cuff, but um, I think that's what makes it so so unique. But uh, yeah. what's your favorite sports moment, and this will be interesting coming from you, that you've ever played in? Um, I think, you know, last year being in the playoffs, you know, the first time in pro ball that I was on a winning team, or well, Second time I was on a winning team, the first time that we actually made playoffs. Um, so I'd say the the pro moment would be would be playoffs last year and be able to have a few celebrations. Um, you know, didn't get to the ultimate goal, but we will eventually. And um, you know, as a kid, I played a couple times for the USA national team. So even even though it wasn't uh, full on Olympics, you, you do get to go play with USA across your chest and go play. Uh, different countries so that I think as a kid that was that was pretty fun growing up yeah you know I'm always um you know I'm like a sucker for good storytelling and um you know storytelling moments and I whenever I see like you guys and and not just you guys but any team who you know if you win the one game playoff and you get in or you win a game seven or whatnot or you win the college world series and just like the raw emotion and the, the raw reaction I always think back to uh, in Moneyball when um, Brad Pitt says, playing Billy Bean, he says, um, you know, we're all just playing a kid's game. And there's like nothing more true to me than watching those reactions when that just like instantaneous moment happens and everybody just goes crazy. It's like, yeah, at the end of the day, this definitely is your guy's job. And and there's a lot on the line every time. But that reaction is is like the definition of that quote in my opinion yeah that's incredibly true you know that and that's where the the emotion and and kind of that raw feeling comes from um you know it's a game and you're competing and you know as a kid when you're playing playing against your brother playing against your friends you're hated to lose so you know the, the same holds true for for when you're an adult and even though you're whatever age you're at and it's it's for a job and you make money at it you still have you still have that deep down yeah that's awesome um kind of a similar question but not necessarily something you were a participant in what's your favorite sports moment that you've ever witnessed Uh, you know i think it's a little bit off the the norm for a baseball fan, just because you think it'd be a baseball moment. But you know, I, I think just the amount of emotional stress and the roller coaster that they they put fans through the Boise State game back in truth. <laughs> I think that was two thousand six. Yeah, so it got it. That was it's had to be twelve some thirteen years ago now. Uh, but you know, just the trick plays, the the back and forth, you know, it was just incredible to watch. And I didn't have a dog in a fight, so it, like I, I wasn't even rooting for anybody. It was just, you know, found a way to to have emotion even when you're not playing. 
So it, it's so funny, um, and it's probably why I asked this question, but nobody has ever said the same sports moment twice. Um, now, yeah. now 29 times in, and every single sports moment that somebody has referenced, I remember exactly where I was for that. And that, that, one, is no, cool. that one is no different. Like I remember watching that. Boise State felt like they choked it away, and then they came back, yeah. and, and then they played the underdog card and did this, the Statue of Liberty. And um, yep. that, that was, I think I was maybe in high school, maybe in like eighth grade. Um, yeah but that was awesome that's 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 funny you say that because it's the same way i wouldn't have thought of that but it's i know exactly where i was yeah that's that's cool that you can remember this i mean there are a few that run through my mind i remember the Derek Peter play against the a's um yeah you know there there's a few that come to mind but i think just just how different this one was and and you know kind of the outset of experience where you you experience the stress and and kind of all the emotions when you don't even have a team to root for in the game. Um, you know, I think that's what brings out the best in, in each sport. Yeah, and you just brought something up that I, it made me think about. Um, you know, for me, and I talked about it a little bit earlier, big baseball fan growing up, you know, lived in and breathed watching Chipper Jones and Andrew Jones and a bunch of old Atlanta Braves yeah. teams. Um, and, and I would probably say that my interest in watching professional baseball kind of fell to the wayside a little bit when like all the guys that I watched growing up started retiring and that would be uh-huh. Jeter, Griffey, Chipper Jones, uh, Mariano Rivera, like all those guys. Is there, yeah. is there anybody that you watched when you were younger that you actually have gotten to play against? Um... You know, the only player that uh, I played against that like I really took a, an attachment to watching or and really enjoyed watching um, was probably Ichiro because he came from yeah. Seattle and um, you know I got to face him one time and you know it's something that I'll remember. It. He's one of those guys where um, you know I'm not a big autograph collector, but. Uh, the guys that uh, you know are Hall of Fame bound that have played the game that like in, in the most pure way possible, um, I try and get those autographs. So you know, Ichiro was one of those guys that uh, I was fortunate enough to play against that I that I watched growing up. And uh, let's see, 2001 was his first year. I was third grade maybe. So it was it was. Uh, Growing up watching him outside of the other Mariner greats, but um, he was around. He was still an incredible career and around when I broke into the major leagues. Yep, and he just said, uh, I think I watched something the other day. He just kind of said his final goodbye, right, when they did that game over there? Yep, he, uh, I think the second game in, in Japan, he was he retired. Uh, and it was a pretty cool ceremony, and... The, what he said during that that speech was pretty cool too. It was he, he felt it was great that uh, he could come back to the team that he started with in the major leagues and retire and not only be with that team uh, in his native country of Japan. So you know I, I'm sure that was a pretty special moment for him. Yeah, I've read a lot of stuff about him. Um, I don't think he'll stay away from the game very long as a coach or as as you know involved in some capacity um and if that's that's the case hopefully he comes back this way he might just stay over there but uh 
I think it'd be cool to kind of see it come full circle and have him be involved in Major League Baseball somehow over here. Yeah, I think, you know, everybody would appreciate him being in, in Japan and they would love him all the same. But, um, you know, the base, the game of baseball continuing to grow and, uh, you know, I think he'd play a huge part in that, especially being being an international player and uh, one of the biggest players from Japan, being able to uh, kind of have that bridge between the two countries. Yeah, absolutely. Um Kind of non-sports related, um, what's one thing or, or is there anything that comes to mind when I ask this question that um, you'd like to do not related to sports that you haven't done yet? Uh, let's see. You know, we, me and my wife like to travel. Um, we haven't uh, ticked too many places off the board yet, but, you know, I think I think once baseball's over, definitely traveling, traveling the world and, and experiencing everything that's out there because we've been in the United States for 26 years now or so. So it's, um, you do like to experience other cultures and regions of the world. Yeah. All right. Um, and then last question, man, I asked, I, I wrap up with this with everyone. Um, tonight's probably a, a fitting night maybe to ask it, but, um, what keeps you up at night? Uh, you know, playing the game I love every day. Um, you know, going out there knowing tomorrow that I need to get better and, you know, I, I need to work and, you know, it's not technically a job to me because it's the game that I love. Um, and, you know, just being able to remind myself that it is a game. I think that's a good answer. So uh, we'll wrap up with that one. Awesome. All right, man. Well, um, again, I appreciate you coming on. And um, like I said, you know, my my, uh, my attention to, to Major League Baseball and kind of day-to-day and the standings has waned a little bit. But, um, you know, low side certainly makes me feel like I know a lot more people than I do. Um, and you definitely fall under that. So I'll look forward to uh, keeping up with the Brewers. I'll look forward to keeping up with you and uh, wish you best of luck headed into uh, 2019 Major League Baseball season. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on, and you know, it's it was fun. Uh, it's personal. It's it's fun. It's enjoyable. Alrighty, that means a lot. So uh, we'll we'll talk hopefully soon. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Michael. Awesome.